Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Let's pray. Okay. Father, thank you so much for, uh, for the opportunity we have to... Uh, uh, to gather together again and, and to study together. We pray your blessings upon us as we do this. We pray, Father, that you guide Cole and I through the text as we as we uh, go through it and we navigate through it, that we might present the information in a way that people can understand. And we pray, Father, that when people, whenever that is, that people listen to this, that they will uh, truly have an open and, and contrite heart, that they will uh, look with, uh, uh, with the right kind of heart and the right kind of mindset on the text as they go through it. Bless us, Father. Thank you so much for being our God, and thank you for loving us enough to send your Son. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 25. Uh, we're leaving behind the the blasphemer mm -hmm. uh, who was put to death, the uh, the man that God treated fairly, uh, which is what we looked at last week. Yep. And uh, we're going to get into 25. We're going to talk about the uh, Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. Um, I think what we're going to be doing over the next couple of episodes is, uh, is you know, this was a this was an unruly, obstinate, sinful people. Yep. And God knew that. Mm -hmm. And God is fixing to send them on a trek that's going to put them around even worse, sinful, obstinate, unruly people. Mm -hmm. And He gives them a law to help them kind of navigate through this. And that's really what the Book of Leviticus is about. It, it's really what it's all been about. Every time you turn around, there's something else that we're dealing with because this people is just here directly. We're going to get through this and then they're going to, then they're going to start marching. They're going to start going. They're going to start. And God's already told them, you're going to find some people. And he yeah. said, this is what you need to do. And it's going to be, this has been a lot of law, a lot of stuff that they and, have to navigate it's, through. It's not over. You know, the, the law doesn't end. So many people when, you know, if, if we remember the big picture, right, they're coming mm -hmm. out of Egypt, they're coming mm -hmm. out of, uh, the Exodus, they traveled to Mount Sinai. They've been at the foot of Mount Sinai. By the time they leave, they will have been at Mount Sinai for about a year. And we call this, the law of Moses is called the covenant at Mount Sinai mm -hmm. because it's at Mount Sinai that God effectuated the mm -hmm. covenant. The issue is it doesn't end at Mount Sinai. God continues to give them more law. He continues to give them more rules and regulations as they move away from Sinai. So it's it's the covenant at Sinai, but there's going to constantly be more things revealed because yeah. essentially what he gave them at Mount Sinai doesn't cover every situation. In fact, even once they get into the land, some ladies are going to come up to Joshua and say, so what? Our, our, our tribe is cut off from, from Israel because there were no men, so only men can inherit land? Is that is that what we're saying? 
So our families don't count anymore. And Joshua goes, oh, yeah. Hey, that's it's, it's a good point. Let's let's take this to God. Let's take this. Let's take this to the father and see what he says. And then what? No, Siri. What are you talking about? <laughs> Siri, stop talking to me. It's on silent. Goodness gracious. Siri wanted to be part of the conversation today. <laughs> um. So so is that what? Is that how this is going to work? And and Joshua, there's going to be more law. There's going to be even then. Yep. So it's uh it's this constant ongoing revelation. This is what it means to be the people of God. And that's really the crux. You know, you, you pointed out he's given them all this law. Well, th- what what's the crux? The crux of it is this. A holy God wants to dwell among his people. How is that going to work? Yeah. How is that going to work without everybody being Nadab and Abihu and getting obliterated at every turn? Well, I mean, that's exactly what happens if if it's not for grace and mercy. If it's not for those two those two concepts, then that's exactly what happens to us. That's, that's what right. happens to them. You know, he's going to tell them in the next chapter. He's going to tell them, hey, here's the reward for, for doing the right thing. And here's also, I'm going to put on the other end, here's the punishment. God knows yeah. that they're not going to, they're not all going to be obedient to this. He said, I'm going to let you know what the punishment's going to be. That's right. Yeah. So here's the reward if you if you obey. And then he's going to re-clarify in Deuteronomy. He's going to say, you know, blessings and curses, you know, Belief and obedience. He's gonna he's gonna tell them, you know, hey, this is what I want you. I want you to live, yeah. but you may choose not to. And well, that'll be on you. And we'll and, and we'll look. And I, and I think I think we have to understand that's still the same premise today. God wants us to live. First, I mean, second Tim, second Peter chapter two says God doesn't want anyone to perish. Yeah, but it's still on us. What are you gonna do? What am I gonna do? With, with what I learn from what God says, what am I going to do? Well, and it's it's so amusing because, you know, it's interest. It's not amusing. It's interesting and it's sad because God has done everything necessary. You know, you're saying it's on you. God has done everything necessary. It's a God has done everything necessary for you to have life mm-hmm. and to have it abundantly. Everything. He sent his son to die on the cross to wash you clean. The question is, are you going to follow him? Yeah. That's what, that's the part that's on you. You don't have to, there's, you know, there's not a whole list of all these historic and strange and arcane commands and you got to shave your head on Wednesday and then shave your ear on Tuesday and yeah. then dance around in a circle. You know, there's none of that nonsense. No. You don't have to do any of that. The commands of God are simple. Love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. That's what he asks of you. He asks you to follow Jesus. It's that simple. And then he spends the whole rest of the book telling you how to do that. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That's it. And it's amazing that being it, people don't do it. Yeah. I think I think probably more people would try to do it if they had to dance in a circle and do some weird thing. <laughs> well, and well, they're doing you know. that now. Right. Yeah. You see churches all over the place where it's not about worship; it's about entertainment. Well, and yeah, and, it's, and they're and they're dancing around and acting acting like you know crazy people and and think that's what God expects. That's not what He told us. He didn't tell us to do anything. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't do all that stuff. Well. I, and I push back a little bit. So it's not about, you know, David danced naked in front of the ark as they brought it in Mm -hmm. to the, into Jerusalem. And that was an assembly. So, I mean, while I, I agree that looking for entertainment and looking for my own joy and looking for my own pleasure, those are not, that's not following Jesus. The character of the assembly is really not this this situation one way or the other. I'll put it to you this way. I'll I'll tell you this story. But that wasn't David trying to worship in an arcane different way this was david being david you know this right was, this yeah. was david honoring the ark of god and the place the place so, of rest so put it to you this way i got to i got the opportunity to go up and do a uh, to do a uh, 
um, marriage seminar um, to speak on marriage in, in, by a church up in, in Houston. They're a Nigerian church plant. And I went up there and we had the assembly and this is all on Facebook. You can go find, mm -hmm. you could go find this plant and you could, I mean, I'm sure they still have the video up and everything. And they're the way they do worship. Absolutely bizarre mm -hmm. compared to what I'm used to. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just very different. And uh, they've got the band and they've got the drums and they've got all this stuff and, and they're, you know, and they're singing their hearts out and they're, they're dancing to the music and they're doing all this stuff. And for me, it was absolutely arcane, right? For me, it was absolutely weird. Um, and then, you know, the drums, I was right up in the front. So the drums were super loud. I was trying to hear the music to sing. I couldn't hear anything really, but the drums, um, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, and I'm listening to all this and I'm trying to sing and it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And it's very different. If you've watched our assemblies, you know how different that is mm -hmm. compared to us. And so I'm sitting there and, and I make it through that. And then I get up to preach and I said, you know, I really appreciate your heart, your love and your passion for God. I really do. Um, but I was wondering if you would join me in honoring God how I, how we sing, how we do it, right? And so we sang uh, as the deer and we sang the new version because the new version is a rinse and repeat, right? So we sang as the deer. I sang the first line they sang back, right? And we sang that whole, that whole song. And uh, it was interesting because at the end, at the end of the assembly, I was sitting in the pastor's office talking to him and he said, you know, it was so strange. He said, before you got up and sang that song, we were all watching you trying to trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Why don't you love God? Why aren't you joyful in his presence? Because I, I was very reserved. And they said, it wasn't until you got up and sang that song that we understood. I don't look at the way people offer praise and thanksgiving to God and judge them in it. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue. The issue is never that. Now, obviously there can be sin in that, right? You can't sacrifice your child to God. That's, you're sinning at that point. Mm -hmm. But the way people approach the father is going to differ. David dancing naked before the ark is that exact example. Nowhere in the scriptures does it command us to dance naked before the ark. Nowhere. And what happened? He dances naked before the ark and he's not tacky. He's wearing an ephod. He shouldn't be wearing the ephod. Yeah. Who's supposed to be wearing the ephod? Not David, no. but he's wearing an ephod and that's all he's wearing. So he's practically naked. He dances naked before that ark. He gets home and his wife gets upset and angry at him. She gets upset and angry at him and she second guesses his motives and says, look, what you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is what she tells him. What happens? God strikes her barren. Because she is sitting there getting upset at David's devotion to God. Now, I've heard a lot of people characterize the argument this way as well. Well, that's not what God wants. Peace. And that may be true. Mm -hmm. The book says to sing, right? Mm -hmm. And we ought to sing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the way we do our assemblies. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to be David's wife. And I'm not going to look at somebody's devotion to God that is very different from my own and judge that. Can God look at the devotion and the heartfelt worship of an individual that is offered in ignorance and accept it? What did Hezekiah pray when they started? Was it Hezekiah or Josiah who they, they redid the Sabbath? You remember in Chronicles, they redo the Sabbath. I can't remember if it's Hezekiah or Josiah to save my life, but 
they're redoing the Sabbath and you have all these people who are approaching, they're going to, they're going to do a Passover and they're coming to do the Passover, but they're not clean. And want the king, either Hezekiah or Josiah, I can't remember who, he sits there and he prays to God. He says, God, accept their worship, even though it's not offered the way it should be, because they don't know. And God accepted it. Mm-hmm. You, you remember the story I'm talking I remember, about? I don't remember. I don't remember. I, vaguely, I do. So, so these are some of the things, right? How do we offer worship? How do we do those things? What is this law code for? You know, I think when, I think that's all fine. Everything you said is fine and good. Uh, and I understand all that. But when you don't couple it with truth, Sure. When you don't couple it with with a with a pa- the same passion to understanding what God says, then how in the world can my worship be acceptable when I don't cu- when I'm cu- trying to couple it with some kind of passion that doesn't fit the narrative at all? Sure. Doesn't fit it at all. Yeah. You know, David David's passion did fit the narrative. You know, it did. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a, he was a godly man. Was he flawed? Absolutely. So was Abraham. So am I. So are you. But, you know, but he was passionate about trying to find out what God wanted to do and then doing it when he found it, found out. You know, when he was told he was going to lose four sons, you know, okay, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm wrong. I'm, I'm the man. I'm the guy that did this. Yeah. You know, I deserve to be punished. Uh, didn't make it any better, didn't make it any easier for him. But he realized that this is this is God. When you have people out there try, striving to be entertained at the at the at the detriment of what scripture says, the heck with what scripture says, that's wrong. Sure. In yeah. any venue it's wrong. Whether it's here or anywhere else, it's wrong. And and you know, as we study this and we try to find out, they're gonna be wrong a lot. Yeah. A lot. We'll yeah. look at it some, we won't get to it today. We're going to look at some, you got some things on slavery we're going to look at that's going to, you know, I mean, uh, there's there's a wrong idea about God right there yeah. just because of some of the things he says, yeah. you know, and it's wrong. Well, you know, we've got to, we've got to try to figure out, okay, I don't know everything in God's mind, no. but when I find something that he, re, that he's kind enough to reveal to me, I had better, I had better, we had better start trying to apply it to our lives. Sure. Absolutely. And if that's not Absolutely. what we're doing. Then I don't care what your worship looks like, because you're gonna be wrong anyway. Well, I mean that, and that is certainly the case. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't claim to worship God if you're living the wrong way. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're intentionally pursuing sin, you're you're intentionally pursuing you know all those things that we ought not to do. You know, then then the worship doesn't matter. And of course, if you're if you're worshiping, if if you're if you're showing up Sunday, and you're worshiping God, and it doesn't really matter where you're at. But you're not living for God. You're not following Christ Monday through Saturday. You can't show up on Sunday and say, "Well, I'm part of the well, I'm part, part of, of the that problem." Is what you do, what I do, to help guide them there, right? Okay. You know, I listened to one the other day, and I'm not going to tell you who it was. It was just it was a it was a well known guy, and that I've listened to something he was doing, and and he was doing a text out of Ephesians four, and he used he and he and from the title of the text and from I mean, from the from just the very first sentence or couple sentences out of his mouth, sure. he's already butchering the text, you know. And and I'm thinking, how many people that he that he was talking to didn't have a clue, didn't have a clue. They just accepted it because of who he is. Yeah, you know. And it it it's uh, it's his whole premise was was so far away from the con. That's why I tell people all the time, you know, keep this stuff in the context. What's the yeah. context? You know, tonight, of course, this will be when they see this will already been done. But tonight we're going to look at uh, at the parable of the sower on Friday night. 
Mm-hmm. We've done it before. Sure. We're going to do it from this time from the perspective of what's the soil like of your heart? What's your heart? What's the soil? And can I fix it? Can I do anything if it's not good? Mm. Can I fix it? What can I do to fix it? And uh, and we're going to stay within the confines of the text. What does it say? We're going to look at two texts, Matthew 13 and Luke chapter 8. You know, it's where, where the text is about. But we're going to look at what does the text say, you know, yeah. and we're going to leave it in the context and say, okay, but I see a lot of people that don't do that. And they base their worship on, on false premise, sure. false ideology, and false doctrine that doesn't meet anywhere near the text. Well, and is it what they're doing in worship that's wrong, or is it the heart that's behind it, right? Jesus said it's not the things that we put into us that defile us, but the things that come up out of our heart. I think and, I think part of it, Cole, is I see an indoctrination going on in our world. Mm-hmm. Of people, I don't think it's a systematic, you know, conspiracy or anything like that. But we're being indoctrinated by Satan. Well, maybe it is a conspiracy, a satanic conspiracy. He's indoctrinating our people, uh, the people of the world, and then they go to church thinking they're going to get some relief from this nonsense, and then they're getting indoctrinated there too. Mm-hmm. So they're getting indoctrinated on two fronts. And somebody asked me this morning said said why why is it so bad? Because we've been indoctrinated. And we've been indoctrinated to believe and almost to the point where it says, you know what? Uh, I tell you what, guys, just let me do it. And y'all just accept whatever I say. Okay. Satan would love nothing better than to do that. We just go on about our merry way. Don't worry about nothing. We just kind of clipping along through life. And then, and sadly, a lot of preachers and leaders of spiritual leaders are doing the same thing. Yeah. And they're just, you know, I tell you what, you don't need to know the text. It's okay. It's good enough for me to know it. Yeah, yeah. And I and I'll and I'll tell you what it says. Yeah. Well, I don't. Uh, that's not any. That's not. No, I don't yeah. do that. So, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. And I brought that up Sunday when I preached at Fortran. I said, I said, you know, we've got to be. And I, I've talked about what it means to be a priest, and we've done it about Ezra. And it says he was uh, that he that he poured over the text. He was a teacher who observed the law. Yeah. And he and he studied the law diligently, furiously. And I said, you know, I, th- I looked around the room and I said, some of you, you know, would be the guy that would stand there and, and Paul would say, man, the Bereans are more noble character than you are. Because they pour over the text to see if what you're saying is true. That's right. Yeah. You know, many times I'm going to get down from a pulpit. You're going to get out of the pulpit and nobody's going to think not to, to look, go back and look at it at all. Mm-hmm. Just say, well, Cole said it, it must be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that sadly, there's a lot of guys out there that are saying stuff that are not true. And they've used this book. They've used, well, they've used this stuff. You know, so we've, we've, uh, you know, if uh, if I have a plumbing problem at home, mm-hmm. I, I have to license it out. I can't take care of it myself because I'm not a plumber, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, and that's that's the mindset in a consumerist society, in, a, in in our society, in a capitalist consumerist society. The mindset is, I don't have to be an expert in all of these things. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I hire somebody out to do it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when it comes to the word. God's expectation is that you do become an expert in it. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I tell people all the time, like when you look at Jesus and the temptations of Jesus, can you show me why it was wrong for him to turn a rock into bread? Can you show me why it was wrong for him to throw himself off the high point? Why was that wrong? Yeah, the, it's easy to say why it's wrong to offer homage to Satan, right? It's, it's obviously wrong. Like mo- most people know enough to go, yeah, you probably shouldn't worship the devil. But... Why was it wrong to turn rocks into bread? Why is it wrong? And you and Jesus's response is po- is on point. And he uses the word to combat the enemy, but then the enemy comes back to him with the word. Yeah. So how yeah. do you navigate that? Yeah. 
you know, you've, you've got to know not, not just what the word says, but you've got to understand what it is and why it is. You've got to understand the motivations of God. And we're, we're actually in a section where that's incredibly important. Look at what he says in 25, in Leviticus 25. The Lord said to Moses in Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I'm going to give you the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. So a Sabbath is a rest, right? They have a Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. Now God's about to give them a Sabbath year. Yeah. For six years, sow your crop, your fields and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the Sabbath year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and the temporary resident who lives among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. What? What? Imagine for, for a second if we did this in the United States. We had an entire year where nothing was planted. Mm -hmm. Nothing was, was sown. Mm -hmm. Where do you think we'd be the next year? Well, farmers and ranchers spend a lot of time in, in, uh, in striving to find the best ways to plant, the best ways to produce, the most optimum, the most optimum soil conditions, the most op optimum fertilizer conditions to get that, that land to produce the absolute best it can produce. Mm -hmm. You know, they spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah. If you don't plant, it's not just that, that here, but we we export a lot of food, and a lot of people are going to start going hungry really, really fast. You know, if you if you have an economic collapse, mm -hmm. most people in their homes have about about four or five days of stuff, of food. maybe a week, maybe. Yeah. You know, if you're smart and you've got a pantry, then you've been then you've been stockpiling some non-perishable stuff where you could survive for a lot longer than that. Yeah. Most people don't know how to, they wouldn't know how to, if, if the electricity got shut off and they didn't have any, they would starve to death. They'd have food right there and wouldn't know how to cook it. Wouldn't, wouldn't have any facility to cook it, you know? And, and I'm, and I'm sorry for that, but, but that's just the way it is. You know, when, you know, the God is, is understands that the law, that the land needs a break. You know, it's like, there's certain things you plant at certain times. There's certain things you plant and you don't plant again in the same spot. You plant them one time and then you don't plant them again in the same spot. You jump a year sure. because there's you want to alternate where you plant stuff. You've got a garden. Most good gardeners know that. You know, there's things that you want to plant that put a lot of vitamins, and a lot of nutrients back in the ground. So you plant them in those in those spots where you planted stuff that takes everything out. So do you think that's why he gave them this command? I think, I think, yeah, I think they don't know anything. They don't know if they're even supposed to worship. If you just take the Sabbath day, they don't know they're supposed to not work on Sunday or on Saturday for them on the Sabbath day. They don't know. They've been working nonstop for 430 years. They ain't got a break ever. Right. They ain't got no vacation, got to go to the Bahamas or nothing. They didn't get any of that. You know, and so God's having to train them like little bitty children from, from infants. And part of it is. But what is he training them to do here because it's as you said right i mean you're talking about uh, this is an agrarian I think, it's two, I think it's twofold okay all right i think first off it's gonna it's it's a it's a time to completely and totally have faith in god mm. all right mm -hmm. because if you're gonna let if you're gonna eat just what what grows out of the land that means at harvest time everything that was left that's gonna grow i mean i i was i was uh weedy 
killing the, yesterday at the house, and I'm weed killing, and I and I see this little thing next to next to a, our, we got a massive pecan tree in the backyard. Bass, that thing's probably fifty foot tall. It's massive, and and a little bitty plant sticking up out of the ground. Well, I know what that is. That's a pecan. That's a pecan tree, little bitty one. All right. Well, when you plant, let's say you plant tomatoes. And you don't get all the tomatoes. Well, after the season, that vine's going to wither. Those plants are going to drop. And if you have, you know, birds and stuff, they're going to they're going to peck on these, and they're going to drop seeds on the ground. Well, the next season, okay, tomato plants are going to come up. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to make tomatoes. Now they're not gonna, they're not going to you're not going to have a, two rows of, of twelve plants in each row of, of plants that are going to be producing tomatoes. You may have five or six plants over here and four or five over here that are going to make tomatoes. They won't make like they would have if you've cultivated them, but they're going to be enough maybe to feed you. And that's what God's telling them. Survival of what the land produces. They have to have faith in God, that God's going to produce enough for them, that there was enough birds came and scattered seed around where now they've got enough tomato plants or you got enough, maybe, you know, zucchini squash do the same thing. Yeah. Okra do the same thing. You okra pod dropped. That What's in that pod? Seeds are in that pod. What's going to happen? Then you're going to have okra plants come up. There, they may be five or six in a bunch instead of you having them spaced out one after another where you got, and so they may not plant a whole lot. I mean, they might not get a whole, a whole lot, but you'll have plants come up and there will be fruit on those plants. All right. And then I think the second fold is, is it does give a, the land a chance to breathe, just to breathe a year of just dormant, just dormant. Where nothing's growing, it doesn't have to, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to put any energy, and the land can rejuvenate itself, because all that, all that mulch and stuff is going to rejuvenate it. Then you're going to come back in and replant it the next year, and your plant, your harvest is going to be probably twice as good as. Before. How difficult is it going to be for these people to trust God? Oh, extremely. When, when they can't go three days into the wilderness without going, wait a minute, we're thirsty. You brought us out here to kill us. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I think I think it's I think it's going to be extremely difficult, just like it is for us. Mm. Look at us. Look at what we do to, to trust God. You know, and and hey, I trust that that uh, if I die on the way home, I'm going home. I I believe that 100. percent You know, put that put that in my memorial. He went home. He knew he was going home, yeah. and he went home. He went home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, turn out the lights. He went home. But. In the meantime, he's also given me a free will. He's given me a, you know, so I'm going to hedge against my family starving to death. Okay. So I have a pantry and we, we don't stockpile like, like some people do, but we, and we have a pantry here now that we're starting where we're going to, where we're going to put non-perishable Bonnie is, and your wife are, are putting this thing together and where they're going to have a non-perishables where we can, where we can help maybe sustain this church. If we need to. Well, doesn't mean we don't have any faith in God. You're right. No. Doesn't mean it at all. Uh, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to look at and say, okay, how difficult is it going to be for some people? Uh, well, we see they don't have any faith in God now. Right. They won't do the little things. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, we worry and fret and, and agonize over stuff. Well, you've got to, you know, we we were talking earlier about knowing who God is and knowing what His mm -hmm. intent is. Mm -hmm. He tells you something like this. You know, and he's going to talk about, hey, count off seven of these things, and then there's going to be a year of jubilee. Which is right? the 50th year. Which is the 50th year, and whoa, oh boy, watch all the stuff that's going to happen then. If you bought property, it's got to go back to the other yeah. person, and, and all that's of these a, things. That was always an amazing concept to me. 
God says, oh, by the way, if you bought slaves and stuff and you... Yeah, they go property, free. You know, the, you guy, know? the original owner gets the property back. Yeah, the original owner that sold you the property that, you know, he couldn't hack it in business. Me, how would back. that work here? Oh, my gosh. So imagine for a second all of these things that God is telling you. And if you don't understand who God is, mm -hmm. what his intent is, what his purpose is, what are you going to do? Well, you said it. Well, you said, you said, you have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. You know how difficult that is if you don't understand who God is? It's impossible. Well, it, we see it all over the world. We see it. We see people all over the world. Can't do it. Can't pull it off. You know, I see myself struggle to pull it off. So, and sometimes, you know, some days denying myself is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. You know, when, when mama doesn't do exactly what you think she ought to do, your kids don't do exactly what they, and you, and you know, how dare you? Now, don't you know who I am? Mm. I'm the leader of this, this, this click here. This, I'm, I'm the leader of this family. Shouldn't I, I need to, I, you need to respect me. You know, and that just, just proved that I didn't have it denied myself at all. Mm. Completely yeah. selfish and self-absorbed. Yeah. That, that person that denied themselves can't do that. Can't live like that. I did it just the other day. Mm. You did it just a while back. I did. You know, hey, does that mean we're, we're hopelessly lost? No, God understands he loves us. We're his children. You know, that, I saw your wife Wednesday night and I'm, and I'm going, I'm talking to you and I come back out and I see this whole couch taken up with these little bitty heads, man. All these little heads are sitting on the couch and Jessica's sitting there and she's talking to somebody else. And, and I looked and I walked over and I said, you guys got in trouble, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, they were throwing yep. rocks. Yep. They got in trouble, you know, but that's because she loves them. You know, I mean, but you, you talk about children and you brought up my children on Wednesday night. They were sitting on the couch because they were throwing rocks. Uh-huh. Scott almost lost his dang eye throwing a rock not a year ago. I know. I know. And one of them still had rocks in his hand. The, he had the evidence still in his hand. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, and you know, and it's so funny because, you know, this frustration I feel, it's like, oh my gosh, why am I frustrated? Because I want what's best for these kids. Yeah. I don't want them losing their eyes. Yeah. You know, I don't want yeah. that. God's the same way. He wants what's best for he us. He wants what's yeah. best for us. And he's like, you know, novel, yeah. novel concept, guys. Maybe, just maybe, trust me. Yeah. You know how many times I say that to my kids? I know. I how many know. times does God look at us and say it too? I know. But if we don't believe in who God is, if we don't understand who God is, we get all wrapped up and twisted up over silly things like, <laughs> yeah. what does your worship assembly look like? Yeah. Your worship assembly doesn't look like mine. I don't. Yeah. You know? And, and look, I'm not saying... That if you're attending somewhere where they're false teaching, I'm not saying that if you're attending somewhere where they're not teaching who God is, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's okay. What I'm saying is you, and you know, this, we know this historically speaking, people have used what an assembly looks like to determine whether you're in or out. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not even talking about drums or anything. I'm not even talking about that. How many cups are you using in, in the service? Mm -hmm. Are you breaking the bread or are you serving pre-broken bread? Yeah. Yeah. You have pews or chairs. Yeah. You got carpet or hardwood floors. Yeah. I, there's all sorts of foolishness that people yeah. have put into that and question. And try to determine whether someone was godly or not. Kitchen or no kitchen. Yeah. Is it attached to the building or is and it we not? had that problem a while back before you were here of a girl that came and and, and she's sitting in, in, a, in, a, in a meal. And I mean, she comes to a meal and I'm, and I'm going, you know, what's the problem? And she said, I'm having to really have a tough time wrapping my mind around the fact that y'all have a kitchen in y'all's building. You know, she got past it, but, but it was, but it was, I, and and not, I was, I, I, what? And I'm not putting my finger in brothers and sisters eyes who are concerned about those no. things. My problem is that the concern, no. we should be concerned 
with how our God but, thinks but of things when and that, sees when things. When that overrides the ability to, to process what God is truly trying to say about loving each other and loving our neighbors as ourselves, then then we then we have we have we have messed this thing up. Because you know, here he said, he said, you gotta trust me. That's right. I'm gonna take care of the land, I'm gonna take care of you. But if you don't trust me in this Sabbath year, and then and then we're gonna get in the year next next week we'll get in the year of Jubilee, which is is seven seven years of, I mean, you know, and then he's got a fiftieth a fiftieth thing, man. I mean, now you got, and we'll look at some of that, and we're going to get into slavery. Yeah. I think next week, weren't we? Uh, we maybe might, not till the week after. We might do the week after. Okay. I, I'm that's I'm, going to take a whole class. I'm worried that it's going to take a whole class yeah. because we're going to have to deal with a lot of preconceptions about the law. Yeah. We're going to have to kind of debunk some of those. Yeah. yeah. We're going to need to go look at what yeah. the New Testament. Says. I think so, this year of anyway. jubilee thing is going to probably take some time a little bit because you know it is a it's a powerful thing what they yeah. were going through. I mean, I mean it was it was kind of it kind of reminiscent of of uh, the Pente day of Pentecost. You know what that was for. Yeah. yeah they, they they just looked at so anyway, and then and then uh, we'll look at and after we get through with all that, we'll look at okay, here's a reward for being obedient. The beginning of the blessings and cursings. Yeah. It's a place where people go, modern day, supposed Christian teachers go, and supposed Christians, I would say, they go to say, see, God wants you healthy, fat, and happy. Yeah. And this is where those promises are. Yeah. So we'll talk about, wait a minute, our whole party- That whole health and wealth doctrine are, comes under attack from are, us here directly. Are you party to the covenant at Sinai? Is this is this a promise spoken to you? Yeah. That there's, there's yeah. a big difference there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's pray. We'll we'll uh, we'll took up the year of jubilee next week. Sounds okay. good. All right, Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be your children. Father, help us to trust you, build and grow our faith so that our faith uh, is is uh, is what moves us and motivates us. We thank you, Father, for being a, a, an awesome God. We thank you for adopting us, making that possible. We pray for our audience that that have the opportunity to to be adopted by you if they haven't been. We pray, Father, that that uh, you'll help us to stay focused on you and, and on you alone. Thank you for, uh, for making the promises that you've made and for showing us from this nation of people how easy it is for us to get, to get crossways and how difficult it is for you uh, to, uh, to abandon them because you truly do not abandon them when when many of us look at see how man maybe you should have thank you father for being that kind of god a god that loves us so deeply and so emotionally thank you father bless us as we move forward and it's in the name of your holy son we pray amen, amen.